the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. podcast. Please like the podcast, podcast. and subscribe podcast. to this channel. Podcast. Thank you. The very best way to promote your podcasts, Podpage makes it easy to create a podcast website with just a few clicks. Every page is optimized to be found on Google and it stays up to date forever. For more information visit podpage.com, the future of podcast promotion. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now. Hi, my name is Nigel Beckles. My new book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices. Now you can discover the dangerous myths about love. If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons. How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life. Available from Amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also available. Looking for Love is a documentary that explores black relationships in the UK, seeking answers to difficult questions, transforming the way we think about love and relationships. You know, 50% of couples who marry this year will get divorced. Looking for Love from the award-winning director Menelik Shabazz is finally available on DVD. If I had been to a counsellor or been to a therapist, I would have dealt with a lot of those issues a lot quicker. Get yours today from lookingforlovefilm.com. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. My guest for this episode is a well-being consultant and also an empath and narcissism expert, psychologist Keely Tavener. Hi, Keely. Welcome to my podcast series. How are you? All is good. Where do you live at the moment? I live in Marlow in Buckinghamshire. So you're a psychotherapist, well-being consultant, and also you deal with empaths and narcissism. How did you become interested in your current work? Well, everything really has evolved out of my own pain, which some may say is my own form of narcissism, and I have no problem with that because I do believe it is a spectrum. And I was baffled by my own experience getting pregnant, young, having a father who was not committed and it was just a very difficult, abusive relationship. And that led me to self-help books. I was inspired by Jan Lavansant when I saw her on the Oprah Winfrey show. And that for me was an area of fascination, self-help reading. I just found absolutely fascinating. I was raised in northwest London on an estate called St. Raph's. I was working at Ikea at the time. I ended up being in Ikea for, for 10 years. And to be honest, there wasn't much. I, was, I wasn't particularly driven pregnancy based on where I'd grown up was quite you know getting pregnant young was quite the norm and I definitely fulfilled that stereotype yet when my situation hit hard I really struggled to believe that this is what my life would look like that that was what I would be exposing my children to and I think whilst everybody around me began to judge and say oh we told you so we could tell you was no good that became really unhelpful and isolating and that's where I found solace and inspiration in reading self-help material. And after I read In the Meantime by Yanna Van Sam, I then read Yesterday I Cried, which is where she spoke about her journey of re-educating herself, which again inspired me. And by 2002, I started a access to social sciences course at Stanmore College, 
that enabled me to apply for university. Went to Brunel where I studied psychology for four years. That had a work placement in it and I worked in the prison for a year. So I worked at Wormwood Scrubs Prison for the psychology department. And upon graduation in 2007, I then got my first full-time job at the prison where I stayed for a further eight years. And during that eight years, I also completed my master's in person-centered psychotherapy. Psychologist route really wasn't for me. I don't think I was a system sister and I didn't necessarily think in, in a way that would have enabled me to navigate the gatekeepers to rise up in the prison. I just wasn't made that way. I was very much interested in psychology, but not in isolation because based on my own experience, I knew how much class, race, access to opportunities, social mobility was just a fascinating area for me. And, um, and I wanted a, a model of psychology that took into account all of those factors which I wasn't going to get if I became a counselling psychologist or studied CBT, which was what I was continuously told to invest in. I chose to follow the passion. I chose to self-fund the uh, approach to psychological, psychological growth that made sense to me, which was about human potential. You know? And so I studied Carl Rogers for four years at Metanoia in Ealing. And yeah, by 2015, I left the prison and started my own practice and today I consult with all manner of people for all manner of challenges, be it individual, corporate challenges. And I help people basically from a psychological viewpoint, but often what underpins my work is the narcissist and empathic dynamic, which causes no end of stress and is, is it continuously becoming a part of everyday language. But also fundamentally, I think it's clear that, you know, people really don't understand the the waters that they're swimming in we hear so much about narcissism nowadays but actually I'm a massive fan that highly you know empathic people and narcissists actually make such a good fit that the empathic people need to move away from reading chapter and verse about narcissism and begin to understand themselves because self-awareness is key so that's my aim and that's the standpoint that I come from which people seem to think is quite different which I find odd but I can understand that and my ambition is to whether I'm working at a corporate level or an individual to help people to understand firstly how best to protect themselves and that they get to understand and get to know themselves because without that they're vulnerable absolutely vulnerable well early last year I had a meeting with a guy and he's a qualified psychologist and he's written a book about narcissists and he was very hostile regarding the term empath so how would you describe an empath? Well, personally, for me, I think one of the things I'm particularly good at is not bringing the theories and extended words and vocabulary from my academic endeavours into my therapeutic work, where I work with everyday people who are not versed in the, the theories of psychology. So that means that if that is the term that is in vogue, I can adapt to that. You think about the term empath which is a derivative of the word empathy, which is a personality trait, which is grounded in the fundamentals of psychology. You know, psychologists often can get really up their own pedestals, to be polite, when the lay people don't use psychology in the terms that they deem to be correct. What we're dealing here with is with the lay person, everyday people, ordinary people who are getting caught up in incredibly damaging dynamics. So 
I am more than happy to say empath rather than, you know, the psychological term, you, you know, you know, you and I were talking about is it NFPJ, Myers-Briggs terms, that doesn't mean anything to people. Go to YouTube, go and check out what people are listening to. And you'll see that these terms are becoming a part of everyday language. My ambition as a grassroots individual who's passionate about helping people is to help them to understand and navigate. My duty is to understand the complex theories and make it as palatable and easy to understand so that people get it. So therefore, how would you basically describe an empath? Well, I think where it really comes into, you know, awareness is, is there are lots of definitions. And for me, I'm trained scientifically. So when it goes away up the spectrum into like angels and uh, that, that's not my lane. I don't really understand that. I'm not trained in that way. But what I understand as a helping professional myself who scores high on the trait of empathy, we are the, we are the helping professionals often. We often occupy helping professionals. We can often go above and beyond to help people. We're understanding. We're the do-gooders of this world. If there's a disaster, we're there. We'll go above and beyond. We'll cook. We'll clean. We do what needs to be done. We see potential. We're heart-centered people. We care. And generally, most people may never get to even call themselves highly an empathic soul. But what the term does for people who find themselves in a narcissistic dynamic, it gives them a name to help them understand their behavior. And that I'm particularly a fan of because it makes my life easier as I help people to understand themselves in order to become aware of what they do that contributes to a very difficult situation. Empaths have a great capacity to care. We often are highly agreeable people, which is another reason why the empath narcissistic dynamic is particularly toxic. Highly empathic, highly sensitive people are not great at identifying their own needs because we're so attuned to other people's needs. And then if you begin to link those traits back into our attachments, you get further insight about where the development, which could be, you know, it brings in the nature nurture debate the development of those traits, especially if you received love based on your capacity to help. If you were receiving love and validation by your capacity to help and go above and beyond, then these become almost the perfect storm where those personality traits can become exacerbated because if I'm kind and I'm helpful, I am now validated because potentially if I'm not those things, I may be invisible. We may target draw to us the broken, the needy of this world, because actually it's how we get a sense of ourselves. So is there a link between being empathic and being a people pleaser? Absolutely. It's all a part of the, um, all a part of the package because people pleaser means one displeases self. Again, that's about external validation, always looking for external validation outside of the self. The more you have a desire for external validation, in the end, depending on your situation, becomes that you will become out of chime with your own needs, your own authenticity, which results in inauthenticity, which is a precursor for sadness, depression, anxiety, and so on and so forth. That's how we lose ourselves, because we say yes perpetually to others, because we don't even know what our needs are. Often for many empathic people, they feel very uncomfortable asking for what they need, let alone being able to provide themselves with what they need. So therefore, self-care 
creates a whole raft of anxiety because it evokes the feeling of selfishness and being selfish. Well, personally, I think the word narcissist or narcissism is thrown around a little bit too freely these days. What do you think motivates a person with toxic narcissism or indeed narcissistic personality disorder? Well, I mean, let's be honest, it's just a way of coping with their own traumas. There's no two ways about that. That's how they would have coped with their own situations, calamities and difficulties in their own life, which is why when highly empathic people come along and then we feel sorry for them, often we're connected acutely to their trauma and their life story to justify and explain away nonsense bad behaviour. Well, all relationships with narcissists will inevitably cause major problems. What makes an intimate relationship between an empath and a narcissist highly toxic? You also have to remember complex trauma. So actually, you know, if you've been brought up in a a very difficult environment with difficult parents and you had inconsistent safe love, then actually we only replicate what we know in an unhealthy relationship. So what often happens typically is the epic beginning, the epic high You think you've met the one, you're Neo, and it's all beautiful and no one can tell you absolutely anything, which it's a part of that. It's one of the ways that we can end up becoming isolated and distanced from the people we care and love about. Then, obviously, after that, what we have is the ups and the downs. When I hear people say, when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's bad. It's typical of the kind of roller coaster relationship that goes alongside uh, this particular dynamic. And it's the bending over backwards. One feels like a gymnast work, walking on eggshells, as well as the power dynamic. So, you know, the power dynamics that also influence these relationships are very, very profound and very interesting, be it financial psychological emotion, those power dynamics. And I think over time, what happens is the empathic individual who often, depending on their own attachment issues, begins to doubt themselves, becomes increasingly isolated, is just continuously consumed with the dynamics of this relationship, wanting validation. Therefore, you see the people pleasing is connected. It's a fundamental part because you're now seeking their validation. And naturally, often highly empathic people can presume things are their fault. We're very reflective people. We can take disproportionate responsibility. So all of the qualities that can be great for us as helping professionals can absolutely backfire on us in these toxic dynamics. Well, Keely, you have your own psychotherapy practice. What type of issues do clients approach you about? Well, it's usually all things They originally come to me and talking about narcissists, but they also know, being that I've got a social media presence, that I'm very clear that there's only so much that we're going to look at that individual because it's actually a window into you. So people often kick me out if they've had alternative therapy, if they've done their maybe NHS sets and had six, but still can't get over their situation. They're perplexed, begin to understand and make sense of their experience. Plus, people know I'm pretty much no nonsense. And as time's grown and I began to focus on intimate relationships, which was my challenge, and as a highly empathic person, it is still a challenge. I have to be mindful that I can draw those people to me, which is one of the reasons why I'm very articulate with anybody who I'm dating about what I need, very articulate about what I need, so that that is a helpful way to begin to break that one-way relationship dynamic. 
but you know I began by helping you know specifically targeting people who have, were in the narcissistic empath dynamic well who would basically I wouldn't even use the word empath you know do you have a narcissistic lover but it's evolved because as I've included the empathic person that use that title, that's increasingly common title. What's happened is now people are coming to me, whether it's their mother, their brother, their sister, their boss. Corporate companies are now coming to me also for assistance to assist staff who may also have a narcissistic boss and they're not too sure, the organizations are not too sure how best to handle that. And that for me is just a unintended benefit of me overcoming my own toxic relationship patterns to be in a position now where I help a variety of people and I believe is actually one of the most important life skills which is making your pain purposeful because if we don't learn to make our pain purposeful we keep repeating the same lessons again and again and again when we have purpose in our life through whatever calamity tragedy or passion I believe that is a protective factor from common mental health problems. And I'm testament to that. And that's my bias. And I am unashamed about that. I tell people this all the time. I have my biases. Well, Keely, you're also an author. So what is your book called and what is it about? My book is called Why Love Hurts and Why Self-Love is the Key. And it's basically just documenting to people how I believe we get there. How I believe we end up going from perpetual relationship, perpetual relationship that hurts, where we end up disappointed, hurt or in debt, homeless, putting ourselves in tricky predicaments because of our desire for love and intimacy. We don't quite realise how our desperate need for validation can cause us to end up in these situations. And in this book, I try to unfold that for people so they become a lot more clearer that so many, much of this is actually about unresolved mummy and daddy issues. We're expecting our intimate relationships to be able to fulfill us. And also we want a godlike love from a human individual to fulfill the void within our lives. So it gets spiritual because anyone who's caught up in a narcissistic dynamic makes the narcissist their god. People don't like to hear that, but narcissism is a god complex. And empathic people are unconscious worshippers, which is why when you don't want to worship the narcissist no more, there is a whole leap of problems and you will be banished and you experience the wrath. And if the, the, the power dynamics are one, well, that's one that you have to watch play out. And that's unique to everybody I support. You know, we have to be talking about power dynamics because that's how they will punish you, sanction you, should you not be the disciple and worshipper that they have expected or groomed you to be. You're saying that the narcissist grooms their partner to worship them as a god? Worship and adore them. Yes, it's a god complex. Narcissism is a god complex. How great am I? So if you have to have people who worship you and support, that's why when anybody, when you're in the phase of being seduced and so on and so forth, or even when it's going wrong, you can't think that the problem would be the partner, right? The problem's always you. And you worship them, you adore them, you put them on a pedestal. You give like them a godlike, omnipotent power over you. It gets spiritual. People don't think that they will ever break the bond. They don't believe that they will ever break the bond. He's not your maker. He's not your maker. He's not your maker. How do you take that person down from the pedestal? Anyone you pedestal, you're worse, you're looking up to them. He or she, as I've been involved with more than one narcissist myself. And you also mentioned bond. And I have read up quite a lot about trauma bonds. 
And you did mm. mention about the hot and cold behavior of narcissists and other types of abusers to kind of keep you hooked into the toxic dynamic. Because empaths, we have all the wonderful skills to help people, but we're not so great at helping ourselves. And one thing I do encourage highly empathic people to test out, which is very difficult for us because we're highly likely to reject our own kind. So empathic people, and that's the dark side of empathy, actually, you know, depending on our own traumas, we are highly likely to reject people like us. And that actually may well be, and not just to put people in brackets of like, is, is it that simple, but actually there can be a benefit to overcoming our own resistance to being able to be with someone that's kind and considerate, which is, in my view, it actually works if you've got two conscious, highly empathic people. So that we're both aware. We're both aware of, of our repulse, isn't the right word, but our kind of pushback against each other because you may not traumatise me in the way that I'm familiar with. That's why we say things like, oh, he's so safe. He's so boring. He's so dry. Because we're used to the challenge, which often we can actually like. So as an EMDR practitioner... EMDR specializes in trauma. We target the unhelpful memories to help people reprogram their minds. Well, the brain reprograms itself. So that's trauma-based work. And often I find that, not for everybody, but if there's been complex trauma in their past, for example, say if you've had a toxic parent, a narcissistic parent, actually finding a narcissistic partner just replicates everything that you already know. You know exactly how to function in that relationship. It's your norm. There you go. It's your norm. And these are the type of relationships that we are often highly likely to draw to us because it's a familiar pain. And so highly empathic people who are not aware of this dynamic are baffled. And that in some instances may mean that, for example, in terms of, you know, supporting people, we may, you know, I may refer people on to have some EMDR or that may happen with me in order to specifically target the unhelpful memories that unconsciously drive their behavior in the now. Feelings of unworthiness, all manner of negative co cognitions, I'm not good enough, no one will love me, I must learn to protect myself. We have to begin to target those memories because the brain is complex and the brain stores, stores memories. There's picture, taste, touch, audio. So depending on the toxicity of the relationship, especially if there's been trauma and trauma has been the norm in the past, I also provide EMDR therapy to help people to help with complex trauma. Because like I said, it's just a perfect marry if you end up in a relationship that replicates a relationship with your mother or your, your dad. So Keely, how can people contact you? So you can find me at keyforchange.com. That's F-O-R. Or you can use the digit, the number four as well. And from there, you can find me on YouTube, Instagram and my Facebook page. Yeah, so my office is based in Uxbridge which is at the end of the Metropolitan Line. And I see clients internationally now via Zoom or Skype. I have clients, I'm blessed to say, you know, my YouTube channel is helping me to get clients internationally. And I have clients in the Arab Emirates, in the Middle East as well. Often, like I said, majority of my clients are helping professionals who uh, find themselves in very unhelpful dynamics. And for whatever reason, they've heard that I can help them to understand Keely in London, UK. Thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Another In Conversation podcast coming soon.